otherwise productive. You know, you write another book, which I have, right? which you probably have as well, or will, or are doing, uh, I presume. Yeah, I finished. I finished one a couple months ago. So. Yeah, but you know, if I had finished one a couple of months ago, it meant I would have written written another <laughs> one in the intervening time. So, so that's not very impressive. <laughs> Hey everybody, and welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I am the driver of this Winnebago, the RV of safety. I'm going to take you through today's podcast, just like I do most of the time we spend together. So I hope you're doing fine. It's interesting to me the contradictions that currently exist in our world. Um, moments of sheer terror followed by moments of, of I, I hate to use this word, but uh, kind of boredom times like this too, where uh, a week goes by in a minute, but an afternoon takes a year. It's this, this contrast is a, uh, I don't know. Times, times a nonverbal agenda. It's a relative thing, right? Times, times not real. It's a construct. I, I don't know how deep you want to get into this, but the addition of uncertainty and crisis on top of time really does create, it, it, it just changes. It creates a whole new nuance to the way we do things, and and I wonder, I wonder what it means. Will we, will we take longer to form relationships with other people? Will we do it shorter? I mean, it could be either. I, I honestly don't know the answer, but it's kind of a theme for uh, what we're going to talk about today. Because today we're going to talk to my friend Sidney Decker, the Decker Workshops. That's what I'm. He's not calling them them. I'm calling them them because I think that's a cool name that'd go down in history really well. But I was thinking about this when, when Sydney and I talked about these workshops, I think we've been friends for like 19 years or 21 years, a long time. And it's been a really fruitful and fun friendship because he's a fun dude. I mean, he teases me a lot and uh, I, he, is that correct grammatically? I don't know if that's correct. It may not be correct. It sounded kind of snooty, so it's probably correct. But it's been a really fun relationship, and and it has been it has been a joy. I mean, it's it's really been a joy, and much learning, much sharing. That that whole notion of building community is one of the things that I, we talked about, and it's one of the parts of this podcast that I think you'll find most interesting because there's a lot of most interesting parts to this podcast. It's uh, it's really a discussion between two old friends, and it's a discussion on how the world has changed and how what we do and how we get together with each other has changed as well and the need to kind of embrace and, and, uh, and thrive under this new change. Because it's kind of weird. We're spending a lot of time looking at the green light on your computer, having meetings and stuff, but those meetings matter and often are very important and make a difference. And that's really what this discussion is about because it's the world's changed and the things we've talked about in this new philosophy of understanding really resilience and, and, safety 
differently and whatever words you want to use for there's a you can use insert your own here i'll leave a little gap gap okay those those things we've often talked about capacity in the face of uncertainty and now we're living in a time where that makes a lot of sense and and the resonance with the new thinking and the current context is uh, not to be missed. It's it's a part of it. Although that's not really what we talk about at all in this. We're, we're really talking about the opportunity to really reach out and build community, talk to each other, and to embrace diversity. This is a really good time. In fact, I would suggest to you it's monumentally important to seek diversity now more than ever before. Diversity of opinion, diversity of thought, diversity of of uh, working status. I couldn't think what word you'd use. Uh, you know, build out, don't build in. Building in is not that interesting. Building out is really where change happens and really where we get the ability to learn. And that learning part of this still is fundamentally important. It's, it's vital to what we do because now we're gathering data quicker with less information, less surety. So now prototyping, trying things, uh, micro-experimentation has a lot higher payoff. And that's really what this conversation between uh, young Dr. Decker and myself focuses upon, upon which we focus he says, trying to end the sentence without a preposition. But it's a, it's a fun discussion, and it's always, always fun to invite you in on these because you don't really know what's going to happen. And I just, I, I, between you and I, I just, I don't edit them at all. Not not even tiny. I, I don't even take out little stuff. I just kind of let it roll and see what happens and see where we go. And then hopefully we'll get to some ending at some point in a timely fashion. And we do. So it doesn't. This does not go on forever. So you're in luck. If you're just hanging out listening to the podcast, I think you'll find it quite refreshing. Thanks for all your comments. Oh my goodness, I can't believe the comments I got around the uh, the mean biker chick that made fun of me for wearing a mask. Thank you for that, and thank you for uh, listening and being a part of the podcast and telling your friends. Keep a keep connected. Keep attached. Not not weirdly attached, not psychologically attached. Just keep connected because uh, we probably need to have these conversations because this is one outlet for diverse opinions that we can gather quickly and uh, learn from. So there's much ahead on the pod. There's no question about that. It's there's just, there's just uh, there's not been a time where there have there are so many very interesting people who really desire to be a part of this podcast aggressively. So politely, I mean, they're not rude or anything, but they're aggressively desirable to be on the pod, which is nice because you don't have to beg people. And it's nice when you don't have to beg, although I'm not above begging. Don't get me wrong. Somebody's cool. I'll beg them. I will trick them. I will try trickery to make that happen. But let's listen to this conversation and see what you have to say. I'm curious what your opinion is on what we talk about. These are the Decker workshops and they're available on sydneydecker.com. 
and they're at the end of August and the first of September, and they are affordable. You can you can take them. You I promise you, you can take them. They're affordable, and I would encourage you to do so for a lot of reasons that we're about to talk about. Here we go. This is uh, this is Sydney and Todd chatting about the Decker workshops. So tell me about the the countless opportunities that abound for people to interface with you in the very intimate and very, very effective medium of Zoom. Because you're, <laughs> you're becoming a Zoom master. Well, I don't know about that. It, it means neither. It's, it's uh, what were the words you used to? It's neither really intimate nor really um, effective. <laughs> well, I don't know about effective. It depends on what you want to achieve. But, but the... Um, no, there's an irony, obviously, in in the uh, inability uh, to travel uh, in the, uh, the, the uh, advice not to travel. Uh, and that is that this has created the opportunity for people uh, who would normally not um, hear me or, or interact with me. Uh, it gives them an opportunity to do so now because all of a sudden I have time to to set set up these workshops. Uh, I have uh, time to engage with them and. Um, and you know, in, in some sense, we can we can do this uh, really cheaply because there's essentially no expenses involved other than me, um, you know, blabbing at a computer screen, um, and uh, and of course, uh, you know, spending some time on preparation and all of that, and and oh, paying paying the Zoom um, uh, fee, whatever that is, um, but that's almost negligible. So. Um, but the, um, the, what's wonderful taught about this is, uh, is, uh, I mean, normally, uh, when you and I do these, do these gigs, what, what happens is, you know, we talk to, uh, a corporate suite, uh, or, you know, we, yeah, we get to talk to workers some in order to figure out a little bit about how work is actually done. And then, you know, I have to tell that higher up the chain and they don't want to hear it. And, um, um, and, and it's, it sort of stays contained in a, um, in, a in, in a small segment of an organization uh, and often a single organization or a single industry. Whereas what's really cool about what's happening with this offering of the workshops um, in, uh, in, in just culture and safety differently and, uh, and, and foundations of safety science is that um, there's a great variety of people signing up. You know, I've got everything from, you know, a student in France to, uh, an outdoors instructor in New Zealand and and um, uh, a, a pilot in the US and uh, you know, a nurse nurse in the UK um, and so you've got this this really interesting mix of people um, for whom the low threshold of not having to travel and you know, low cost um, makes it possible for them to, to join this conversation to join the discussion. I love that idea of including people other than the, the bosses, the, the C-suite, and having yeah. the opportunity for workers to be a part of this conversation. That seems really powerful to me. Me and Canta Mucho, I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're a good man, Todd. But what I, what I think is interesting is that mm. this really is, I was poking fun earlier, it really is a great opportunity for people to ask you just about anything. How tight are you going to be in your categories of of the workshops that's going to be an interesting thing to manage no it's that's yeah it's actually a very good question the um of course i've i've racked up involuntarily so with a whole bunch of experience in in e-teaching or you know uh video conference teaching because most universities like all universities have switched uh to that model so um what you find is that uh 
interaction doesn't necessarily come easily or naturally, right? And so uh, it's it's not as if it's a it's a free for all where you've got a really rich discussion going on among 30 people or 15 people or, you know, because I'm trying to keep the numbers limited uh, so that we can actually have a meaningful uh, discussion with those who are there. Well, who are there? <laughs> it's even a funny thing to say, but um, but the um, um, uh, I have found that the thing that works better, but we'll see, we'll see, depending on you know what what uh, the mix of people is that shows up uh, in in the workshops next month. Um, uh, what I found is that a more regimented approach, and when I say regimented, I mean, you know, uh, walking people through the ideas and where they come from and uh, what they might mean and um, uh, in, in, uh, in a sort of a stepwise way and then engaging them in a question, throw out the question and, you know, get get uh, get them to think around uh, the, the thing you've talked about just a little bit more. Um, that seems to keep pacing uh, a workshop uh, better than leaving it too open. Um, but the problem is because you cannot read body language, um, you know, people come in with certain ideas and questions and, 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 and preconceived notions of what it is that we're going to hear or want to learn about. Um, and then halfway the workshop, you all of a sudden get this question, you go, uh, Okay, yeah, that wasn't exactly the topic of this one, but that's an interesting question. So, and you know, I have to deal with that respectfully and and uh, and meaningfully and and informatively. Um, so, uh, which which in itself is not an issue, um, but as I as I said, because you're not in the room together, because you really don't get this sense of community, of a a group who. Uh, shares, even without knowing it, um, some of the deepest concerns that they have about their workplaces and their um, the other environments in which they work or live um, uh, and, and, and the safety in it, um, you don't get that sense. Uh, and the vibe that comes off of a room that you would know so well yourself. Yeah, the energy. The energy is missing. Kind the energy. Of. Or it's different. Yeah. It's not missing. It's just different. It's different and you, and you have to tap into it differently, right? And so one of the ways in which I've tapped into it, and that really works really nicely, is that, you know, you, you use the chat function um, uh, to its to its maximum extent, right? So you um, uh, what what typically happens is that uh, people people are more comfortable typing a question or a remark or a, uh, or an answer to, to a question raised by someone else or by me uh, than they are switching on the mic and talking about it. I mean, some people will. Um, but um, it, it also a little bit depending on the generation, which is interesting. Yeah, um, isn't it? It, but, it really is. Yeah. So, you know, my 16-year-old daughter, right? I mean, she doesn't, I mean, she basically doesn't pick up the phone to talk, right? Right. They, they text, right? They, you know, a, a, phone, you know, a phone for you and me is a phone, right? And right. so it's essentially a device that you, you blab into and listen to. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so um, they're super comfortable uh, uh chatting and so of course you see all the the chat spelling show up in, um with all the abbreviations and, and 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 the language that that medium has generated um but it it does and that's that was an interesting side effect of the discovery of teaching online um is is it gives voices to people who would not normally speak up and told that is just the coolest thing i agree i, I yeah. heartily agree yeah. i i think i think this opportunity actually quite remarkable i mean 
I I kind of think this is our world for a while. I mean, I think if we're going to talk mm-hmm. about these ideas, we're going to talk about them through these mediums. Um, and and so I think becoming comfortable with it is really valuable, but I also think it's necessary. How do you mean necessary? I, I don't see an opportunity for us to get together in a conference in the next couple of years. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even mean it in, in a sense of hyperbole. I just, the, the ability to travel, I think, and the liabilities around that travel are pretty high. And so creating other ways to build community becomes really important. So, okay. Now I like, I like the sense of, of how you talk about building community and, and, um, uh, so let's talk about that a little bit because I, I think um, I think it's both our strongest desire and and in some sense the, um, the, the very much the holy grail that we're that we're looking for right now in in this in this new world um, the strong desire to build community in a sense I think uh, we meet by opening it up for everyone like I've done with the workshops right Agreed. low threshold Agreed. low price come in wherever you are whatever field you work in and let's talk about these things. And I'm going to run you through ideas, right? Because I'm a professor, I write these books, you know, and so. And we want I that. We, we, want, we that. want that. Yeah. yeah. We want, you know, it's, it's sort of the knowledge transfer is part of it. Right. Right. And, um, and, um, and then making it work for those who, uh, who face these issues every day, even though, by the way, the proviso being that, you know, when you're in academia, when you're, when you work in science, science is about the knowledge for tomorrow. Right? Not necessarily the knowledge for today, which which is what a consultant gives you, and so, um, and it may be useless or or, or, or <laughs> superficial, um, but at least you know it gives you the impression that you can do something with it today. Um, that's not necessarily the case if you think light years ahead of, for example, your own uh, your own team or your own organization in terms of oh, let's pick one restorative justice. Right? Sure. You wouldn't even know how to spell the word or the phrase. You know what what is that? Um, and so, uh, but I'm, I'm going, I'm going off track. I mean, back to the community. Um, tell me how, how do you see the opportunity to build community, um, using the, uh, the, the sort of platforms that we are forced to, uh, to rely on nowadays then? I think there's a couple of things. One is you, I think you've hit it squarely in the bullseye is that it's mm. an opportunity to increase diversity not mm. decrease mm. diversity. So we're, we're and, inviting and increased voices. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We're inviting more yeah, yeah. people into the conversation at mm. more and varying levels of, of our world. And I think mm. that increased diversity, especially in a time of, of great uncertainty is a powerful tool. I also think the belief that we're all in this together. So the collective nature of having people to learn with, I almost want to say commiserate with, but I, I think commiseration is the wrong word. But oh, but it happens a little bit. But, yeah. But, it's, but as, as you know, I mean, it's it's never it's never the majority of the time, right? There's a right. little bit of commiseration at the beginning and the end. Right? Yeah. Sorry, keep going. And 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 then I think thirdly, the opportunity to really think broader, to think to think bigger, to think new ideas or new paradigms or new ways to see frame talk about, discuss, understand problems is really mm. valuable. And, and those three opportunities exist at, really at a, at, a, at a wonderful level with just getting together with friends and talking. Are you... Um, even by Zoom? Yeah, but, oh, even by Zoom. Even by Zoom. 
That is very true, even by Zoom. Yeah, yeah. So how do you make sure in in, in, in your uh, Zoom or, or Skype or, you know, video conference uh, meetings and conversations with people that you um, don't um, don't miss anyone? Don't, you know, how, how do you, because in a room it's easy, right? I mean, you, right. you see people anyway. So, but how do you do that? So two things. One is I'm deliberately aware of who's, engaged who's maybe more engaged than others and which and I, you measure by their voice input yeah by, by their, their by their by their voice input yeah. and and i try to really include just like you do opportunities to speak around really deliberate questions that just have recently been discussed and then i try to monitor the chat as closely as possible in a big yeah, exactly. in a big room i'll often have somebody who just monitors the chat and they can respond immediately sure. and highlight things that are worth looking at, and, and that makes a difference. But it's it's a real challenge. And I think with practice and uh, time, our skills will develop and will become better and better. You said it earlier. You, you're a reluctant success in learning how to deliver lectures through Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you enjoy it? But- um yeah good yeah the uh there are really good moments of enlightenment connection um and um uh community that actually do happen i've had a few sessions with my students um where where you got 15 or 20 people on the call and you know, you start out and all you see is you know, these little squares with faces. <laughs> you go, oh, my God, how can that turn into something that is a valuable experience for everyone? Um, and then taught halfway in, or, you know, something happens. And it's it's again, it's really hard to give it, you know, oh, this is the cause of why that goes well. You know, if somebody had found the answer to that, they'd be making a lot of money selling the idea to someone. Right. Oh, yes. Um, but it's but it's a. It's more than the than the sum of the parts, right? To to be very uh, cliche about it, um, when 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 the magic happens in a zoomed meeting, it's not because of one cause. It is because of the interactive complexity of the voices and people and the concerns that they are then dealing with, and the type of responses and encouragement that you as an as a as a facilitator uh, host um, can 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 offer. Um, somehow this, it, it, that complex function between all of those things can turn into moments of magic and insight and warmth and community that, that people would, you know, even if it lasted a few minutes, there's always an afterglow anyway, but you know, even if, if that, that lasts for a few minutes, it's worth the three hour call. Right. And, 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 and I felt that happen. I have felt that happen. Absolutely. Even with, or perhaps especially with diverse teams. And these are going to take place next month, yeah? So they are, yeah. Um, uh, we, um, you know, I don't even know the exact dates, but I think we've got uh, one or two at the end of August and one uh, or two in the beginning of September. And so, yeah, let me tell you about the, because this, this in itself is, just, is an interesting, you know, what if, what if you were to do this, right? Which you probably will, you know, if you throw it open for, for, uh, for everyone, Um uh, rather than selling out to the C-suite, um, the um, uh, well, that's putting it negatively. <laughs> if, yeah, for uh, a moment, I felt like a prostitute, but that's all right. I'm I'm okay with it. Okay. 
um, the uh, uh, no, but if you invite in the world, um, then under what headings do you offer everything that you would want to tell them and want to share with them and want to talk about with them? You know, what do you what do you what do you call it? And so, um, how do you organize the knowledge? And I trouble with this because I write a book every year, you know. And so, if you if you have a book um, every year, which is I don't know, 11 and counting or something. I, I actually don't know. Um, I could talk about 11 books, you know, but that's 11 workshops. You go, no, I don't want to do 11 workshops. Um, so, so you find ways to coordinate and coagulate the knowledge into, into uh, meaningful, uh, what's the right word, bites, uh, uh, modules to be very boring. Um, and so uh, after some, uh, some uh, you know, going around um, asking some people uh, about with, with some proposals, uh, we decided to go for uh, one workshop on uh, restorative just culture because lots of people are interested in this, and um, uh, there's a there's a bunch of really important things to know about uh, what restorative justice is and, and how it contrasts against uh, the type of uh, just culture that we typically associate with this, which is a retributive one. Uh, and you know how 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 does it contrast, and and, and what else is available, and, and 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 you know why are they either different, not so different, and how do you start implementing these things? Oh, lots of people are interested in this, uh, in, certainly in healthcare, but also way beyond healthcare. Uh, I've got people from construction signed up, from uh, from uh, chemical, from uh, uh, not oil and gas right now because they have no money, uh, but not even for for these workshops. Although we'll see, they might have. Um, but the um, uh, so that was one uh, pretty obvious one. Then, um, of course, the, the really uh, popular one would be uh, safety differently or doing safety differently, right? which lots of people are interested in. How do we stop seeing safety as the absence of negative events and turn it into, as Eric Hall beautifully says, uh, the presence of, uh, of uh, well, he doesn't actually put it that way, but um, how do we turn it into the presence of capacities to make things go right, um, uh, go well? Um, and so... Um, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen, right? You got to stop counting negatives. You have to actually uh, see LTIs for what they are, and you know, and, and and people are concerned and and eager to move beyond those traditional ways. So that's that's definitely a package. And then um, the third one that that's currently on offer um, is is uh, really a part of a class that I taught uh, at, at uni uh, last uh, semester. Um, which goes through one of my uh, latest books, uh, in fact, it's currently the latest book, uh, the, the Foundations of Safety Science, um, which, which helps with giving people a, base, a knowledge basis for, or, or on which to ask uh, better questions about what is going on and what, uh, in their organizations and what their organizations are doing. Um, what it does, um, it, it, it runs through uh, basically 100 years of ideas in safety science, um, and it it puts things in their rightful place. You know, um, uh, say the mythical status of the iceberg, you know, or the triangle. Where does that come from, right? So, well, okay, let's go back to 1931 and talk about how this came about, and and the misconceptions that have since grown around this thing. Um, all right, well, what about human performance? What is that really about? Well, let's go to the 1940s and 1943 and Alfred Chapanis and Fitz and Jones in 47 and understand how human factor, human performance was born as a field of inquiry and the questions it asked. 
Um, but yeah, but what about drifting to failure? Well, let's go back to the 1970s, right? When the 60s had just happened and people started realizing that all of the great things that modernism had promised actually start delivering really bad things as well, like big industrial disasters, right? And so, yeah, it's nice to have your plastics and all kinds of consumer products, but stuff blows up in the night because you want these things, right? And so that ugly underbelly then gives rise to a school of thinking that is contrary and that is um, sort of... Uh, uh, um, going against the grain of, of, of what society was supposed to believe were the right things to do. And, um, and you get into the work of, of you know, people like Barry Turner uh, in the 1970s, who was one of the first ones to see disasters and safety as a administrative and social issue rather than an engineering issue. Um, and, um, and, you know, on and on, all the way through safety culture, you know, where did it come from and, and why is it currently a really bad idea the way we're using it and yields absolutely nothing of value in terms of insight or, or, or uh, ability to do anything uh, meaningful with safety in your organization other than throw a label around. Um, all the way up to resilience engineering, which is sort of, you know, the, 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 the supposed leading edge uh, in, in the field today. Laying that out in half a day for people, is in my experience extremely enlightening for them um, they go wow i never knew i never knew that this came from that or that swiss cheese really is 1931 dominoes re yeah. redone you know it's a cartoon based on a cartoon right. uh, you know and 50 years in between and the holes in the sorry the the eyes in the dominoes become holes in the layers of cheese but the model and the mechanistic assumptions and linear assumptions underneath it is pretty much the same is in fact the same model right and so and you know and jim you know uses the same words as as the 1931 model the heinrich model which is unsafe acts you know these words show up 50 years later and you know people don't know this typically and so and fair enough i mean you, you know Many don't have the opportunity to read a lot or learn a lot or study a lot before they get thrown into a safety role. So, um, so this is really where one of the workshops where I, where really I go loose as a professor and, and I, I love it. Nice. Nice. Mm. And they can get the, they can, they can sign up at sydneydecker.com, right? I looked all this up. Yeah. 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 So sydneydecker.com and it's there, uh, under workshops and, uh, just make sure you spell my name correctly. That pop that helps, you know, yeah. S I D N E Y. And then Decker being a Dutch Dutchy, it's D E double K E R. Right? That's the, that's the good way to spell Decker. If you ask me, <laughs> I don't know about that. That's but, a good, and, no, it, but, and, and just sign up super cheap, super easy. And, and, uh, I look forward, forward many, to seeing you in one of the workshops. How many people in class? So I, yeah um ideally i think there is a zoom or a, or a, or a teleconferencing sweet spot talk but i agree i know <laughs> i agree 15 is it a 30 is it where have you found it so 20 seems to be doable mm. but everything mm. always grows bigger than 20 <laughs> because because it's so easy to plug in right people yeah. go oh yeah why don't you yeah exactly so no but that's that's precisely what i was thinking about as well something, but it's a sense that... it's a sense of shared responsibility it's your responsibility as a facilitator and it's the participants responsibility as participants to really create success and they'll do it i promise you they'll do it well and if if they you know if we have too many this time um then um do it again they'll do more we'll do it again yeah exactly we'll do it again so, Take care of absolutely. yourself, my friend. Be I safe shall. and be well. And tell your family I said, hey. I shall. I hope Lovely I see, to speak with you as usual. I hope I see you soon. I'd like to see you. Um, join one of my workshops. Oh, you know, <laughs> I might do that. That's a good idea. Uh, okay. I'd be glad. 
See you there, John. See you, Sydney. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have it. That was the conversation. I told you. Edit free. I even let it run to the end. That's how noble and honorable I am. Thanks for listening. Get a chance. I would look at these three. There's three kind of sections. He didn't want to use the word modules. I don't blame you. That sounds sterile. There's three topic areas. Uh, just culture. Uh, restorative culture is what I'd call it. Because uh, I think just culture's been a little bit bastardized. Uh, and then the foundations of safety, which is the sort of the historical safety that last books. And that's, that's super interesting as well. And then practicing safety differently. Those are the three sydneydecker.com. Check it out. Until then, my friends, that is the podcast. I owe you two and a half minutes. Sorry. I went long. I'm a blabber. I got blabby. That's what happened until then though. Learn something new every single day. I bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That's really important. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.